Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Number five, Judges chapter number five. I'm going to read, I'm going to skip around just a little bit, reading a few different verses of scripture within this chapter, within this chapter. I'm going to start with uh, verse number two, and as I skip, I'll try to keep you aware of where I'm going here within the chapter. Amen. Uh, We were supposed to, and it looks like still can, okay, we were supposed to baptize Jada tonight. Amen. It looks like they're walking in. Amen. And so, and then also, I think next Sunday we're going to baptize Aiden. Both of these that received the Holy Ghost when they were in Kids Quest. Amen. To uh, bring completion to that plan of salvation in the word of the Lord. Amen. And we're excited about that. Amen. Absolutely. So thankful. So thankful. And again, um, to our teachers, Sunday school teachers and uh, super church workers, uh, I, I am of the persuasion, because just been around just too long, I am the persuasion that all of that happened at camp was not just a result of a solitary service at camp. That was the result of the labors that you've invested in here Sunday after Sunday as you've placed yourself to the task of investing in children. It's just that there somebody else entered into your labors and it was brought to fruition. Amen. But ultimately God gave the increase. Amen. And we're thankful for that. And so I say thank you uh, to those teachers and uh, super uh, church workers that so diligently invest in our children here. Amen. In order for that to take place. Because there would never be a plant arise from the ground if someone didn't plant a seed. And the way of, of seed time and harvest time takes place many times. It's not instantaneous, but it takes a process of time. So I know what was harvested at camp was more than likely something of seed that fell on the ground that was aided to be put into good soil somewhere back Amen here. And so I appreciate you for that. Judges chapter number five and verse number two. That's where I said I'd start. The Bible says, praise ye the Lord for the avenging of Israel when the people willingly offered themselves. Verse nine, my heart is toward the governors of Israel that offered themselves willingly among the people. Bless ye the Lord. Verse number 15, and the princes of Issachar were with Deborah even Issachar and also Barak. He was sent on foot into the valley for the divisions of Reuben. Were, there were great thoughts of heart. Verse 16, why abodest thou among the sheepfolds to hear the bleedings of the flocks? Of the divisions of Reuben, there were great searchings of heart. Verse 17, Gilead abode beyond Jordan, and why did Dan remain in ships? Asher continued on the seashore and abode in his breaches. Verse 18, Zebulun and Naphtali were a people that jeoparded their lives unto the death in the high places of the field. Curse ye Miraz, saith the angel of the Lord. Curse ye bitterly the inhabitants thereof, because they came not to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. This chapter 5 is 
what in some of your Bibles may be labeled the song, if you will, of Deborah and Barak. They're recounting victory that has come to them. And in the moment of recounting the victory, they begin to get detailed about those who aided in that victory, those who came of the tribes and those who had good intentions of coming but never showed up and then others that did not come at all. So they are recounting all these things in this song and looking back over the victory that was given and warranted to them. For a little while tonight, I want to minister this simple thought here this evening, and that is this. The need is the call. The need is the call. Sometimes in in our life and church life and such, we believe in order to uh, function in capacities and such that you must be, and probably even more so today, that there must be some type of call or invitation. But here in the scripture, what they have just went through, no one was necessarily making an invitation, but the need that arose became the call itself for those to come. Amen. So I want to minister tonight, the need is the call need is the call. Amen. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Ask him to help me if you will. Those that are in this audience, please pray for my voice. The Lord will let it last here through this, this time here tonight. This evening, Father, I come to you. I'm asking of God for your help, Lord, tonight. God, open up our minds, Lord, and our understandings, Jesus, of your word. I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, help it, God, to find a lodging place, God, within our hearts and our lives tonight. I pray, oh, God, let something be conveyed, Lord, that we all can understand. We all God can bring in close, Lord Jesus, into our lives. God, I'm thankful, Lord, for the grouping of people, Lord, that you have here before me. I pray, oh, Lord, God, help this, Lord, direct them, prick them, Lord, somehow in their hearts and in their minds. God, grant us understanding in the next little while, and we will not fail to thank you and praise you, Lord, for what you accomplish and do in this place. Understanding it's only because of your hand, God, and your power that it is done and can be done. In the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. The church say amen. Amen. You may be seated this evening. The lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at your neighbor and tell them the need is the call. Is the call. The setting and context of the scripture is this, that there had been 20 years of oppression, 20 years of oppression by a king by the name of Jabin and his captain Sisera. They had within their hands 900 chariots of iron that had preceded the debut of Deborah and Barak. So they had been under oppression. They had been under uh, the burden, if you will, of another people putting their thumb down upon them whenever this victory of Deborah and Barak issued forth. For 20 years this had happened. They came forth, though, victoriously by the end of chapter 4 of Judges. They came forth victoriously and are now in chapter 5 celebrating their song of appreciation. Their song of appreciation of everyone that was involved. Not unlike I had just done before I started tonight for appreciating and giving thanks for those that took place uh, last Sunday and the affairs that we had here around the church. They were giving some appreciation, a song of appreciation for those who were involved, for those 
uh, that were considering, they were pointing out some details of the victory and how it came about. Yet also married with all of these different strands and voices of thanks, for some there were other strands of disapproval. It goes to say that sometimes you don't have to disapprove anything, but just by giving thanks to those who are deserving of it, disapproval just arises to the top by itself. Amen. But they gave, uh, without any regard, some disapproval as well for others. The Bible says in verse 2 that I read in your hearing, they said, Praise ye the Lord for the avenging of Israel. When the people willingly offered themselves. And to contrast that, they gave some disapproval then in verse 23 when they said, Curse ye Miraz, said the angel of the Lord. Curse ye the bitter bitterly the inhabitants thereof because they came not to the help of the Lord or to the help of the Lord against the mighty. As a matter of fact, the people went through this 20 year of oppression and the avenging of Israel against their adversary and their, 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 their enemy happened according to the word of God. It happened when, everybody say when, it happened when the people willingly Offered themselves unto the Lord. It happened when the people volunteered themselves, their time, their effort, their abilities, and their skill unto the Lord. For 20 years, this people had been under oppression. Their actions had been very much so minimized by their foe, very much so minimized by their adversary. The voices of their adversary had muted that crowd of volunteers and people from being involved. Their adversary had convinced them that they could not do anything and that there was nothing that they could say to change anything. There was nothing that they could act in any way that would influence their condition of being under oppression. Amen. As a matter of fact, at that time, according to the history of Scripture, Israel had no standing army at this time. There wasn't a shield found among them. There was not a spear found among the 40,000 that were in Israel. They had no organized group of men that that could be a, a fleet of war of war a war machine it was non-existent among Israel there was no one to fight uh, or defend if you will Israel but when everybody say when, when. but when the people volunteered when the people willingly offered themselves unto God amen God said I can work with a people that are willing to work I can work with a people that will give of themselves willingly. I don't have to have, per se, an organized army, and we don't necessarily have to have the top notch of weapons. But if you give me a people, you give me a people that are willing to offer themselves, God says I can work with that and avenge Israel of her enemies. I'm here to tell you here today that we might be in a community of 7,300 people and we might have the number that are gathered here tonight and we might not have all the money in the world but God doesn't need the greatest of weapons. God doesn't need perhaps if you will million dollars in the bank account at the first apostolic church. He doesn't have to have a community of 200,000 people but if he can just have one or two or a few that will present themselves and willingly offer themselves God can do anything through the church here at 1121 Cedar Street if there will just be a few 
Someone say amen. amen. 10,000 people, the Bible says, 10,000 people from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun alone, the Bible says, answered the cause. They willingly gave of themselves. They volunteered. They said, we, you can count us in and include us in doing what needs to be done for the sake of Israel. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that Barak made a call for help and that these men volunteered. And these people would become fighters. They would become warriors that God would use to avenge Israel, amen, of her enemy. Most, if not all, of these men were non-professional volunteers. They were non-professional volunteers who simply heeded a call that was identified with a need. They were just people that identified a need and they felt the call upon their lives to give of themselves, of their talents, of their non-professionalism, so to speak, amen, in no uncertain area for the sake and the purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This type of this type of uh, reaction and responding is not much different from the Apostle Paul in the New Testament Scripture. Amen. We see this again whenever Paul was coming down to Troas. The Bible tells us, and we've looked at this in our Acts series, but just bear with me here tonight. They were forbidden, according to Acts 16, forbidden by the Holy Ghost to preach in Asia. The Holy Ghost said, no, Paul, you're not going into Asia at this time. They were then, if you remember, going to go into Bithynia. But the Bible again comes and says that the Spirit prohibited them from going into Bithynia. And so they went to Troas in verses 7 and 8 of Acts 16. And in verse number 9, the Bible reads like this. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And there stood a man of Macedonia. And prayed him saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. Paul saw in a night vision a man of Macedonia that simply had a plea, come over and help us. And the Bible says in the next verse that Paul and Silas and Luke immediately endeavored to go to Macedonia. And the scriptures word for word say, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel unto them. Someone say amen. Why? Because God had never called, if you will, never said anything to Paul about going to Europe or going to England or going, it wasn't even existent or known at that time, but going to America. No, what Paul heard, what Paul saw was just a man of Macedonia that was saying, help me, help us, help us. And whenever Paul seen the need, he felt compelled because he, in the need he heard the call. In the need, he heard the call. The need was the call, and the call was the need. And so immediately he turns his face westward instead of eastward, and he went because there was something in the need that was beckoning him to go and give of himself willingly and at once. Can someone say amen? amen. The need is the call tonight. The need is the call tonight. I'm preaching perhaps what I'm preaching this evening because here in the next maybe few weeks or so, there's going to be some needs 
that's going to be presented here in this church and among uh, this grouping of people. And what I'm asking you to consider is to listen for the call that is married to the needs. Listen for the call that is married to the needs. In 1 Samuel 17, a, a story that many of us are familiar with, David, in obedience to his father, finds himself in a very desperate place. Finds himself in a desperate place with a need. In obedience to his father, he takes, as the scripture would say, corn and bread and cheese to his brothers and others of the army of Israel as they have been set in array for 40 days against the Philistines. The Philistines on one mountain and the children of Israel on the other mountain. Each army has been compassing these stations for 40 days. All the while, day after day, daily would seem, as the scripture would read, Goliath would come forth and he would disdain. He would defile, he would defy, he would taunt the children of Israel and their God, amen, to, if you will, a competition. David is standing there, being obedient to his father, taking food to his brethren and those in the army. And David is present during one of those times that Goliath comes out, one of these episodes that he begins to stir all those that are in ear distance of what could be heard about bringing a competitor, bringing one out to fight him. And the Bible states this in 1 Samuel 17, 28. And Eliab, the eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see. Everybody say see. See the battle. Eliab, the eldest brother, asked, Why are you here? Aren't you supposed to be doing something else? Don't you have a more menial task to be attending to? And David was there, we know, according to Scripture. Because his father asked him to go there. Right? Dad had asked David to go there. Can I just pause here for a moment and say that you will be met with opposition. Opposition of the brethren. When your father places you where they are at. And you begin to feel a call to answer a need that they have not addressed. What I'm saying is Eliab and all those others that are with him has been there for 40 days. For 40 days they have heard the plea of Goliath. For 40 days they have heard him asking for some type of competition. For 40 days they have seen the, 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 the situation and how it's been staged and how everything's been going. But David shows up on day number one that he's been exposed to it. And the first time he hears Goliath, the first time he hears him defiling, the first time he hears, let me state it like this, the first First time he hears about the need. The 
first time he hears about the need, he starts asking questions about what can be done in order to take care of what is needed. Because whenever David heard the need, he heard a call. When David heard the need, he felt the call. And so what Eliab really has problem with right here is that David enters the exact scenario that he's in, but he's willing to do something about it. And so he's, he's trying then now to belittle David. He's trying to belittle him. What, where are those few sheep that you had in the wilderness there? Who, who have you left them with? And, and he begins to misinterpret, amen, David's purpose for being there. Amen. And while he is being involved, amen, he begins to do all that. And it's really just for one purpose. It's because Eliab feels bad about knowing what the need is but not responding to the need. He feels bad about being aware of the circumstances by hiding, if you will, behind the bushes and keeping in the trenches. He feels bad that now David is just as aware as he was but David hears it as a call. David hears it as a call. And rather than being reluctant and rather than being, well, I just brought food. I can go back home now because I've done what dad asked me to do. He says, no, I'm willing to stay here for a little while and address the need. Honey, I'm telling you, amen, in days and years to come, what we need at the First Apostolic Church is people that will tune their ear into the need. Amen, the need. Because the need will be the call. I'm thankful for everybody's participation. But if the Father has sent you for one thing, but you hear word of a need somewhere else, honey, I'm asking you to give of yourself willingly. Give of yourself wholly to the purpose. Someone say amen. Jesse sent David into a war where no one was fighting. Just to see how things were going. I'm telling you by the Holy Ghost tonight that God is on the verge of putting people in some areas of inactivity or in some areas that need to be revamped or some areas that need to be started. And he says, listen to me, I feel this in the Holy Ghost. God is going to set some people in some places, amen, some places, amen, that have been inactive, some places that need to be revamped. And he's going to cause that call to come ringing in your ear because you're sensitive to the need of the position. Sensitive to the need of the position. And he's confident that you'll react to the need. Eliab says, David, you've come out here to see the battle. But David tells Saul, I want to fight in the battle. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. I want to fight in the battle. Listen, you'll hear all times of, all kinds of flack sometimes. Whenever you start operating in certain areas of the church, amen, where others had opportunity but decided not to, they'll tell you you wanted a title. They'll tell you that you wanted recognition. They'll tell you you wanted pats on the back, and you're just doing that to brown nose the pastor. But whenever it comes right down to it, folks, it comes down to this. You not come to be a spectator. You become to be a participator in this thing. Why? David said, I want to fight because the battle and the circumstances are in desperate need. And I hear the call. David says in verse 29 of 1 Samuel 17, David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? What David's saying, is there not a need? God bless you tonight. Brother Mason spoke this morning how we needed more people for cleaning the church. That's already been fulfilled and taken care of. Thank God for those that will willingly offer themselves because the need becomes the call. We're going to need some other van drivers. I've been driving the van on Sunday morning, picking up some kids. We're going to need some others. Let the need become the call. Willingly offer yourselves. Why? Because I'm not just in here for them to sing my favorite song or for someone to see me giving the offering. I am here to perpetuate what's been perpetuated to me. From generations down, the need, the need is the call upon my life. Yes. By the orders then of his daddy, by the orders of Jesse, David was then put in a position for exposure to the need. And no doubt desire perhaps even of his, his own being to answer the call of the need. Eliab, as I said, and others were aware of the need. They were even suited up as soldiers for the addressing of the need. But they failed in answering the call of what was really needed. They needed more. If we go back to Judges 5. God needed more than an organized army that knew how to set themselves in array. He needed more than someone that did have a spear and someone that did have a sword. Because in Judges 5, they didn't have any of that, but they had people that were sensitive to the need. Honey, I'm convinced around here with the help of people in this church that we can take people that don't know anything about anything, amen, and through the diligence of leadership around here, we can train warriors. We can train people how to use a sword. We can train people how to use a spear. Amen, you come on. Our qualification is not do you have the know-how of everything, but I believe we got some men. We got, we got some brother masons. We have other people in leadership that can show you how to hold it, show you how to advance with it, but the greatest, the greatest, prerequisite of everything is that you're sensitive up to the need. So I stand here tonight and I'm thankful just as Deborah and Barak was in Judges 5 for the ones who willingly offer themselves and we have those type of people that are here. We praise God for people like the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. We praise God for people like David in the Old Testament, who seen and who sensed a need for help. 
and they go and they answer it because the need is the call. But that's not always the case. Thankful for that, but that's not always the case. The Bible says in Philippians 2 and verse 19 states these words. It says, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. He says, for I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. And what Paul's saying right here, Timothy is sensitive to the need. He says, I could send various other warm bodies. He said, but this man is naturally has a natural inclination inclination to the need to the state of the people he says in verse 21 he says for all seek their own not the things which are of Jesus Christ that was the case in Judges 5 there were those that willingly offered but then there were those amen that were the case of the tribes of Reuben that which the Bible states of Gilead which refers to Gad in the east portion of Manasseh. There were those like the tribes of Asher and the village of Mezraz. In the song of Deborah, in the song of Barak, there were six loyal tribes that are praised through those succession of verses. Six loyal tribes who willingly offered themselves, gave of themselves, but outside of the six, there were the other four. Four that were being spoken to or having been absent. Four that were just as aware of the need as the six were. Four that were just as aware of the need as the six were. But they were absent on battle day. They were absent on the day that things came to a head and victory was given to Israel. They did not join in the battle, though they had opportunity to join. They did not join in the battle, though they knew it was needful for them to join. The divisions, the scripture teaches me the divisions of Reuben, the Bible says. You read it. We read it in our scripture setting tonight. That the divisions of Reuben had great thoughts and the Bible says great thoughts of heart. A little few verses down it says they had great searchings of the heart. But just great searchings and great thoughts of the heart resulted in no aid. Resulted in no help. Reuben, if you will, pondered the call. But he did nothing to heed the call. He was aware of the need. But that need was not reverberating in his ear. As though he would put forth a finger or a hand to help. Amen. So it's amen. There were some that immediately volunteered. Some that immediately followed the Lord. There were some that were given some consideration to the need. And there were others that said no. And there were others that kept themselves, kept to themselves away from it all. As though the call had never been given. As though the call had never been made. As though there was no need present. I'm telling you right now, you we can cast it on a banner. Amen. The church, I'm not just saying this church, but the church is in need of people that will willingly give themselves. Honey, we are in the last mile of the trip. We are on the homeward stretch. The signs of the time tell me that his return is more imminent today than it ever is. We need all hands on deck. We need all hands on deck. And honey, if you're not aware, the need is grand. The need is great. We need somebody to hear the call that's in the need. So it's amen. 
great thoughts of heart Reuben had. But the Bible says, and this is scripture. The Bible says, and please, I'm just preaching, okay? The Bible says that he was contented to sit among the sheepfold. Reuben had his sheepfolds. He was content to sit there. Dan had his ships. He was contented to be there. Asher had the havens for the ships that he monitored and kept. He was tempted to remain there at the seashore where things came to land. Where the boats went out and where they docked. Asher was was okay and content to let them leave and come back but have no dealings with what happened on the trip or the journey. I'll send them out. Go in favor. Go get her done, Boris. And I'll have everything prepared when you come back. But God is desiring for somebody to do more than just send a group out. God is desiring for somebody to do more than just be a cheerleader over here saying, go get them, people. Go get them. Amen. And rejoice when they come back. God is looking for somebody to step off the shore on the boat. Yeah. Off the shore on the boat and not just be a landing place or a starting place, but be a part of it from start to finish. Hold on. Yes. Oh, Brother McGee, I have no problem. Let them receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Uh, be filled, uh, amen, with the Spirit baptized in Jesus' name. Let them mature a little bit in the church, uh, and then I'll have dealings. No, no, honey. Let me tell you, you will be most blessed uh, whenever they come in and they're in shambles, and you start there, and you're with the process all along the journey to the place of its completion. Honey, that's where it's really at. That's where the need is. It's in the process. Those tribes on the east of Jordan had pledged to Moses. Moses, this was this is what allowed them to have that ground to begin with. East of Jordan, because Canaan was across the river. That's really where they should have been headed. But they struck the bargain with Moses. Moses, you give us on this side of Jordan, it's good for our sheep. And whenever it's time to go to war, we'll go to fight. You hear the agreement? Moses says, thus and so. If you'll keep to that, that whenever it's time to fight, you'll go to war. So then you'll be able to have what you have here on the east of Jordan. In other words, the call was this. Moses will come when we're needed. Whenever those are conquering their cities on the west of Jordan, us on the east of Jordan will come when we're needed. But now the story has changed. They are content. They are content with being uninvolved with what happens on the other side of Jordan. <clears throat> it's notable today that after this period, all four tribes that did not willingly give of themselves, listen to me, all four tribes. 
that did not willingly give of themselves, according to the scriptures that I can read from Judges 5 forward, none of them never made a significant contribution to the cause of God and of Israel. You can read the scripture from Judges 5 forward. And Asher, who was not involved, virtually just vanished, except for a very little brief involvement with Gideon. Dan fell into apostasy. He departed from the things of God. The two and a half tribes that were on the east of Jordan, the Bible tells us and speaks of how they were overrun repeatedly time after time they lived for themselves they refused to risk what they quote unquote had and as a result they lost everything they lost everything that they had and so the angel the, the angel of the lord curses in verse 23 of judges 5 the angel of the lord cursed miraz amen it doesn't curse deborah it doesn't curse Barak, but it curses Miraz because the inhabitants came not to the help. Note the wording. They came not to the help of the Lord. Amen. It wasn't. It's not stated. They are cursed because they came not to the help of Deborah. Or they came not to the help of Barak. But it boils down to where it really was. They came not to the help of the Lord. Because in helping Barak, they were helping the Lord. Because in helping Deborah, they were helping the Lord. Folks, I know this isn't this church, that church, or the other church. But this is the first apostolic church. This isn't Pastor McGee's church. This isn't Bishop's church. This isn't Clifford Corbett. The first pastor of this church's church. This is God's church. This is the Lord's church. And when you will give your yourself around here you're not giving yourself to me although I appreciate it you're not giving yourself to the administrative pastor of this church although he appreciates it but the fact of the matter is this you're giving yourself to the Lord so thank God for every Sarah Johnson that comes in here on Monday and after Wednesday as she gives herself to the Lord thank God thank God for a brother Fred and those that help that show up on Saturdays and mow the lawn they're giving themselves to the Lord thank God for every teacher that shows up early and teaches and spends countless hours because they're giving themselves to the Lord. Thank God for the musicians and the singers that put hours in practice that are giving themselves unto the Lord because the need has become the call to them. The need's become the call to them. And those that did not help were not helping the Lord. Reuben, Gilead, Dan, the Bible describes them all that they were far away. But this was not the case. Listen to me. This was not the case for the tribe of Asher, who was, as the, re as the other three, who was likewise absent. Miraz was considered near the field of battle. Considered near the field 
a battle. And at some stage of the conflict, it was positioned in such a way that it was within sight and hearing of the strife that was taking place on the battlefield. In other words, Asher could not pose. I didn't know anything about it. Asher could not pose. Our dwelling is too far removed from where all of this was happening. No. She stayed in her tent. She stayed in her position with the voices of her own countrymen out on the battlefield. Warring against a 20-year oppression. She was seeing some of her whole countrymen fall and lie in a pool, lay in a pool of their own blood. But she was not moved. Woo! She was not moved. She was not urged to do anything about it. She was aware of the need. She was aware of the need with both sound and sight. <laughs> Because listen, that should have been enough. Because the Bible tells me that Zebulun, Naphtali, they jeopardized their lives unto death upon the high places of the field. And I'm thinking to myself, how in the world, how in the world could two of these particular tribes jeopardize their lives being aware of what was going on and another just to turn a deaf ear to the need that they heard amen a cold heart that would turn an eye advert their glance in their face from the need that they see and it makes the words of, of the song that much more forceful for the praise of those that answered amen during a time of ferocity a time of great danger that said I don't care what the fallout might be I don't care what might, what might be jeopardized the jeopardy I might place myself in how I might make myself vulnerable is not any more important than the need that I can see and the need that I can hear Honey, if you could close your eyes in this place and in the silence of your prayer closet, there's more of a need going forth than just what's preached and taught behind this pulpit, than just what is solicited from administrative a pastor when he comes to you. If you'll close your eyes and you'd listen, you would hear the cry of the need that's behind closed doors tonight. You'd hear the cry of the need that lines the streets of your own neighborhood. You'd hear the cry of the need in the grocery stores as we're sitting in the church building tonight and I'm asking you uh, be sensitive to the need and let that be a call upon your life it seems as though the voice of some of these were the opinion and of the persuasion I don't want to show up where the need is, perchance I hinder, perchance I hinder the work and what needs to be done. 
Listen to me now. Fear. Fear to the place and the position of thinking that your involvement will serve as a hindrance. Follow me here. Fear with that type of thinking, the thinking that if I involve myself, I, I might hinder it. Ask me how much greater of a hindrance it would be to not be involved at all. I just, you know, I don't, I don't know. We, we can train a lot of stuff. We can. There's a lot of stuff we can train people to do. But So don't fear that you'll be a hindrance because if you just totally detach, you stay on your ship, you stay in your arbor, you do all that within itself is a hindrance. Someone say amen. The Bible says in Nehemiah 11, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm really. Nehemiah 11 and verse number 1, the Bible states these words, And the rulers of the people dwelt at Jerusalem, and the rest of the people also cast lots. To bring one of ten to dwell in Jerusalem, the holy city, and nine parts to dwell in other cities. And the people blessed all the men, that here, here's, that, here's that phraseology again, that willingly offered themselves. To dwell at Jerusalem. Remember, Nehemiah is the whole story how Jerusalem, the walls of Jerusalem, the gates of Jerusalem are rebuilt and reestablished around the city of Jerusalem. They had been burned with fire, totally abandoned. Now they're bringing some order, they're bringing some, some number, they're bringing some populace, they're bringing some function back to Jerusalem again. And so with all that being said, we now have at Jerusalem, the temple is already in existence. The city wall has already been rebuilt at this point in time. But there was still a very grand problem. They had a temple and they even had a city wall for protection. Amen. And Nehemiah had a very fine, well-defended city. Amen. That was here now in, the, in Jerusalem with an operable temple that people could go and worship. But the biggest problem of all, he had had all the mechanics, all the structure, but he didn't have no people. He had a very beautiful temple again. He had functioning walls, but he didn't have any people. And for Jerusalem to be as it was in its heyday, it would take more than a temple. More than houses. And more than good walls and good gates. It was going to take people. And so Nehemiah, Nehemiah in chapter number 11, the list begins at verse number 4 in chapter 11, all the way down to verse number 24, from verse 11 to verse 24. What we have here are a list of names. It's a list of families, of people, of those who volunteered to move back into the city of Jerusalem. Nehemiah as the governor of the city, issued a very simple decree. And this was the decree. One out of every ten people living in the suburbs, they must move to Jerusalem. The Bible, we teach history. It tells us that they went through the towns and they went through the cities on the outskirts, ran about Jerusalem, and they began to number the people. Amen. They counted them out and counted them off by tens. And then they would cast a lot. And whoever the lot fell to of that ten, that one person and his family would move back to Jerusalem. But here it is. After the lot fell to a man, 
had ten people cast lots. Whoever the lot fell to, after the lot fell to the man, the man still had the choice. If I can play off a term we often use, to accept his lot in life or not. He had a choice to accept it or he had a choice to reject it. So the man and his family being chosen had the choice to decide either for moving to Jerusalem or against moving to Jerusalem. That's why in verse number 2 of Nehemiah 11, praise is given to those who willingly offered themselves by accepting the casting of the lot. They were giving praise to the people that although the lot chose them, they said, yeah, that's what we're going to do. Because not everybody that the lot fell on were going to go to live in Jerusalem. Not everybody that the lot fell on was going to pack up the comforts of their home and their family and their wife and their children to go back to Jerusalem. Amen. But there were those that the lot fell on that the man looked over at his wife and said, Honey, I just look at this as the will of God. I just look at this and this is what we're supposed to be doing. No man had no hand in the casting of this lot. The Bible says the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. Lord, I believe we need to get the kids together. I believe we need to get our belongings together. I believe we need to take everything of our life and invest it in Jerusalem. We need to invest it in the mother city. We need to invest it in the temple. You know what Nehemiah was saying? I need some people that will be attached to the city of their God. I need some people that will be attached to the city of their God. I don't want them just living on the fringe of it. I don't want them living on the outskirts of it. I don't want it to be a place that they visit every once in a while. But I need some people that are willing to be attached, live their everyday life, connected to the city of God. I want some people that will associate themselves with the city, with the temple, by willingly giving them the himself to be there. I need some people that will hear the call that's embedded in the need. Someone say amen. If you'll stand with me here tonight, I'll try to land the plane. The need is the call. The need is the call. In our society today, Somewhere along the history of the world, there's been a, a shift in how this has come about. This never became more, more true or real to me than it's been several, back, several weeks back now. My, my nephew Andrew came to the house. He was working with Cutco and came by to give a presentation. And in that presentation, not only were they underscoring the sharpness of these knives and how they remain sharp and last for years, which would have been a common, a common selling point even generations ago, 
But the other little nuance to it all is this, is that they had you hold on to one of them. Because the handle of the knives. You may have studied, I don't remember how many hundreds of hands to see how a hand grasps a knife to shape the handle of the knives in a comfortable way for those that would use them. Now that's so different today compared to how it was years ago. You could years ago go into the office or the room of a craftsman that used a knife or that used a hammer or used an axe. I could have probably brought some of Grandpa McGee's tools that Dad has. and Whenever you bring them in, the handles of those wooden instruments, those wooden handles are, are chipped and they're splintered. I mean, nobody that would come to be an apprentice would even want one, though, you know, give me something new. But for the person that uses that day in and day out, it's quite apparent that the handle on those hammers are misshapen because of the long hours of use that the craftsman has had upon those tools. They have molded, have came to fit his hand. Over time of use, though it may not set comfortably or even properly in his hand, over time of use, it becomes molded to the grip of the craftsman. It's suited to his hand. Not when it first entered there. But as it remained there. As a matter of fact, old catalogs. This is just one of those weird tidbits I get from reading books. Old catalogs used to that had tools such as knives and tools such as hammers, Bishop, they would have four to 500 different varieties of, of hammers that would be used with different nuances for different purposes. And they always just showed the hammer head and never showed years ago the hammer handle. Never. You're just looking at a bunch of hammer heads because in essence they all had by and large, the very same handle. Very same handle on all of them. Now today, you look in a catalog. Man, you see if it's made out plastic wood. It might have rubber around it. It might be at an angle. Man, you're not just considering the head, but you're also considering the handle. But in that day, they didn't even include them. Because there was hardly any variation. And the reason why it was so, they stated these words. The reason why it was so. That you just looked at the heads. It didn't really care about the handle was this. Was that the craftsman was more interested in how their tools affected the work. Than how it suited their hand. Talking to this group of people tonight. I'll call you hammerheads for this evening. Whatever you may be. God is more interested. In the need becoming the call. He's interested more in how you affect the work. 
than how suitable you are to his hand right now. Because the master craftsman knows if I can keep them in my hand. It's only through the procedure and process of time they'll become shaped to my hand. So just heed the call that's impregnated in the need. God, I just don't know if I just fit real right right there. That's all right. I just want to know if you can affect the work. The shaping of you will take place over time. If someone will just willingly offer themselves. Just willingly offer themselves. Hallelujah. Through use, the master will shape the handle. Through use, the master will shape the handle. He'll become splintered in some areas and not in others. He'll become misshapen to the eye of somebody, amen, that doesn't use it. But to the master, it's a right fit over time. But what he wants to know at this stage, are, are will they be suitable, amen, for the need that is here? Will they affect, amen, the need that is here? I'm asking for the six tribes tonight to come and willingly offer themselves. I'm asking, and I'm, I'm even pleading tonight for an Asher that is close to where the battle's going on. For an Asher that can see even where the battle's going on. I'm asking you to betray your better opinion and go on and accept the call that is embedded in the need tonight. God is desiring men and women in this church and his church abroad to answer the call that's in the need because he needs us tonight. Amen. To do a work that the church in this final hour needs to do before he calls his church home. Will you answer the call tonight? Will you be aware of the need? Will you answer the call? There will be things in weeks to come. There will be opportunities. There will be needs presented in weeks to come. And I'm asking you, God, prepare my mind, prepare my heart, and let me willingly offer myself, Lord. Let me willingly answer the call to the need. It's not the need of the first apostolic church in totality, but it's being a help unto the Lord. The need's the call tonight. The need's the call tonight. Come on, sir. Come on, ma'am. Of every age bracket and group tonight. Will you come? Will you come? Will you say, Lord, make me sensitive? Lord, make me aware that when the need is sounded, I hear the call that's in the need. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.